I'm sorry, but you were getting handled. I, I really am done with this. Yeah, I, I would disagree with you about their identity. I think you're overselling Sean Clifford because you want to make that point about he left the game Wrong. in a one score game. Are you ready to admit that they're a legit football team? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not ready to say that they are playoff worthy. Do you think that Ian Book is an above average quarterback? Above average, yes. Mark, does Patrick Mahomes look like more than a better than an average quarterback to you? Oh my goodness. You and your revisionist history. This is the That's Debatable Podcast. Welcome to That's Debatable. I'm your host, Clint. I'm here with Mark, and we are getting ready to talk some NFL football. And we've kind of scaled back our NFL coverage a little bit, and that's not necessarily been on purpose. It's mostly just been due to some life circumstances and a lot of moving pieces. And um, Mark's been moving around. I've been in Texas. I've been in San Antonio and Dallas and all over the place. Um, so I think our last broadcast was from Wiley, and I was going to actually broadcast in San Antonio, but we just weren't able to really time it up. But um, So some of the things we're going to talk about are probably maybe a little bit dated, but I still think it's worthwhile to talk about it. And we don't do this often either, but <clears throat> we're going to, and my voice is doing better, so... Thank you to all none of you who asked how I was doing, you jerks. Um, no, but uh, I hopefully, knock on wood, will not have the crazy coughing fits and have to mute every 30 seconds like I did in the other broadcast. But um, we we want to talk about some things that might seem a little dated but, but are important. Um, I already said that. Now I remember what I was going to say. Sorry. I got I got distracted by my bitterness towards people not caring about me. Um, we don't normally tell you the title of the episode at the beginning more often than not, because we, we decide afterwards what we want to name it based on the content that we've had or what maybe one of the main points was. But as we were kind of talking about some of the different events that have happened and some of the things we want to talk about this week, they all kind of fit under this broad umbrella. And so we wanted to title this week's episode, or this episode, I guess, since it's not even a weekly, but this episode, what were you thinking? And I want to start, there, there's several places we could start with this, which is, again, why, why we named the episode and why it's a theme, but um, I want to start here. Uh, I was going to start in Denver, but I won't, because... I'll probably have more to say on that than Mark. And all he's done so far is laugh in the background. And so I want to get him involved here. So let's start with... uh, I hate to kick off the podcast this way, but I'm going to. Let's start with the most egregious of all the things. No, let's not. We'll get to that later. I don't want to start on such a negative note. Let's start with a, a different type of egregious. Um, let's go to these crazy unsportsmanlike penalties. So we've seen it in college and we talked about the Iowa state debacle 
where apparently like turning around or high stepping is like worthy of a penalty now. I don't know. Yeah. But we're starting to see it now make its way into the NFL. And maybe it's been in the NFL and we just haven't seen it or talked about it as much, or maybe it's not been as egregious, but we definitely saw it on display last night in the bears Steeler game. And some of the times you see it, it's not that detrimental. Kind of like, oh, you know, big touchdown penalty assessed on the kickoff. Whoop-de-doo, they kick it 30 yards out of bounds or like out of the back of the end zone because they're kicking off from 50 or whatever. But like last night, we actually saw it be detrimental to the Bears. And we saw a lot of bad officiating in the Bears game. Yeah, a a lot. That was detrimental to the Bears, like almost exclusively. And to, to the point where you nearly, I don't know. I don't I don't know if you saw this or not but it looked it looked like the ref literally like stuck his butt out so yeah. that the player would make contact so that he could draw a foul like yeah uh, I'm not I'm not big into the like conspiracy or the refs are trying to win it for this team or that team like I'm really not that type of a guy um I do think that officials sometimes can be victim of the environment I do think they it's less in the NFL than like the NBA, but I think there is like star treatment. I think you can't quite hit Tom Brady as hard as you can hit, you know, Baker Mayfield or something, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, what, what's your take on this Mark? Because you literally have NFL players and fans and coaches that the NFL, it's like they are trying to live up to the no fun league, you know, mantra. It's like, oh, if they're going to call us the no fun league, let's make sure that we prove them right. Like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. And not only did the NFL introduce that, the taunting penalty this year, um, but it's been pretty heavily enforced. But at the same time, it also has kind of felt like a pick and choose kind of thing uh, where I've seen things happen even yesterday or Sunday at the uh, Green Bay, Kansas City game where I'm like, that's like on the edge of what the rule states is taunting and it wasn't called. And then I've seen some other like totally not even not even close things that have been called. And it's like they've used that as a as a crutch to like change the way something happens in the game. It's been really weird that that penalty alone. Um, but as far as the ref like sticking his butt out, that's how I saw it too. Like he he makes eye contact with the player. He's watching him, and he very clearly makes a move backward as he's running behind. Uh, and it's like that that old uh, Buffalo Wild Wings commercial where somebody is at a Buffalo Wild Wings and they hit the button and then the ref sticks his foot out Send to trip it to the player. Overtime. Yeah. And it's like somebody in Pittsburgh sitting on a Buffalo Wild Wings watching this game just hit that button because that's the only logical thing that makes sense. They're like, we need a first down here. Right. And then uh, another one that I saw was pretty heavily talked about was a, uh, a no call on roughing the passer uh, where Justin Fields was, he was tackled pretty aggressively. 
um, and all of the players' weight was on top of him. And I've seen this called the other way a dozen times this season where even though... In that game. Right, yeah. And in my opinion, the way I see the game of football, it's clean. But based on the rule book and how things have been officiated, you know, as you mentioned in the game and in other games, it's a roughing the passer call. Like you don't have to like it, but that's the right call. Uh, and that was in the red zone, correct? That was, I mean, that was right there yeah, in big, front of their own end zone. Penalty. So when it's just like you know, I saw I have a couple of Bear fans or friends of mine that are saying you know. You know the checks. The checks were cleared on that one, and it again. I'm the same way as you. I'm never the type of person that's like, "Oh, clearly this game's being called in favor of one on purpose or whatever." But um, again, that that was pretty tough to watch as a fan of the sport. And I'm not even close to a Bears fan, but I feel like they had been gypped out of opportunities in that game. Yeah. Uh- the taunting thing just drives me nuts. Like, I would be honestly fine if they just did away with the rule entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, seriously, these are grown men. They're not little kids. Now, I'm sure part of the rule is because you have little kids watching, so they may probably don't want... And if there's no rule, it probably will get out of... <clears throat> but, like... Man, the idea that like the smallest things are infractions. So like one of the reasons that people do enjoy watching like the NBA is because of the like ability of stars to kind of flamboyantly celebrate big plays. Yeah. And why are we discouraging that? Uh, and again, <clears throat> sorry. So this is going to be instead of the coughing episode, it's going to be me clearing my throat tonight. That's probably better, I guess. But anyway, it I, I get that you don't want like. Do you remember the, the video game NFL Blitz? Yeah. You know, and so like you're throwing, you know, spinning and throwing guys into the stands, you know, and piling on and all the crazy. Like I get that you don't want the NFL to become that, so you probably have to have some level of mitigation, but. There's there's times when it's like obvious taunting. Like when you're getting up in a another player's face. But the NBA seems to be able to deal with that with technical fouls. And the NFL just seems to be clueless on how to make any kind of realistic difference between that and and a, a player just celebrating a big play. Yeah. And times where it's sometimes directed at like the sideline and it, like, who cares? Like, yeah. If you get up and flex at the other team's sideline, a big play, like you have to get a penalty. Why? It would like, were, were their feelings hurt by that? Like then stop the play, you know, like don't let a guy go for 60 yards. But one of the ones that I, you know, I thought was funny was, and I was texting you about this Sunday. Jerry Judy from the Broncos in his first game back two Sundays ago was fined almost thirteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars for doing the fake like bow and arrow shot that Jamal Murray, who plays for the Denver Nuggets, does 
on a number of three-pointers that he makes, like almost any clutch three-pointer that Jamal, he's point like his nickname is literally the blue arrow. Yep. And so like, it's a pretty common like celebration. In fact, in NBA 2K, you can like purchase it or add it to your avatar as one of his celebrations for hitting a three. Right. <laughs> um, Jerry Judy was fined, I think, like twelve thousand eight seventy five or something. It was just something just shy of thirteen thousand dollars. And so when they played Sunday in Dallas, he made a nice, a nice catch. Um, he kind of had to adjust in midair and caught the ball up over his head, came down inbounds, and it was like a critical. I want to say like a third down, seventeen yard catch or so. It was a big play, and. He starts doing the celebration again and reaches back behind his head like he's pulling an arrow out and then kind of glances over at the official and gestures like he's putting the arrow back in the sheath, which I just thought was hilarious mm-hmm. because it it pointed out how stupid that whole rule is. And there were some people on Twitter comparing it to the Key and Peel sketch of like, you know, you can do two pumps, but not three pumps or it's a penalty. Right. And... And it's just like, uh, you know, I get that the NFL wanted to get away from like flashing different gang looking signs and things and like the slit your throat thing. Like, I'm fine with that, like getting rid of that stuff. I don't know that you necessarily need to have people out there slitting throats, though. Even then, I'm kind of like, like, yeah, it's not great, but is it really should it really be penalized or whatever? But it just, I think some of those things are hilarious. And I remember, and you'll remember because you're a Packer fan, but I thought it was actually really funny when Randy Moss scored a touchdown and pretended he didn't moon the crowd. He just pretended to <laughs> moon the crowd and like shake his butt at him at Lambeau. Yep. And like to me, I thought it was funny. Now, had he actually pulled his pants down, then sure, that's probably worthy of being ejected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but like a guy pantomiming, mooning, and even the announcers and stuff, like, that's just disgusting and disgraceful. Like, it was distasteful, but it was also kind of funny. And, you know, it's just like, well, I, and, I don't know. This, like, This is my point as to like, they're picking and choosing, right? Because yeah, it's it, very subjective. Yeah, because the Green Bay game, after Rodgers had had rolled out of the pocket and and ran for a touchdown, he literally slid down on one knee, did his discount double check in front, like, and he's done it in front of players, and it, like that by the rule could be considered taunting. But you're not going to call Aaron Rodgers on taunting for doing the discount double check, right? Yeah. It- it just is so well, and I mean, is it up to me as an official to decide if, like, if a player gets a first down and like does just the first down symbol? Like, oh, did they do that a little bit too aggressively? Yeah, right. I mean, just like so dumb. Emmanuel Sanders, I used to love when he was in Denver. He was hilarious to watch because he was this little dude that would take some big hits, and he would pop up and his big thing that he always did is he would take a bow. Like, and it was hilarious. 
And so like he would get up, make a make a big catch, take a big hit, and he would just like pop up off the ground and like bow, like but toward kind of towards the fans, but sometimes towards the other team, their sideline. And it's like, so is I mean, like, is that taunting? Like at what point I remember a game back in the early two thousand, um I think it was the uh greatest show on turf or at least around that time. It was St. Louis Rams. Broncos opened at the Rams on Monday night football. And everybody thought the Broncos would get trucked, including myself. They didn't, but they did lose. But it was like, it was a good game. But I think that was one of the games where like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt were like high-fiving each other down the sideline because they had both burned the secondary. You know, but is it like if you're celebrating with a teammate and you're high-fiving it or like looking back behind you, like is turning your head to look behind you taunting? Because... You know, I mean, some of that is somewhat strategic. Like, I don't want I step in zone three feet behind me and gonna knock the ball out of my hands, or you know, like whatever. So, I don't want to spend a ton of time on that. But I just that's that's our first. Like, what are you thinking? What is the point? Because the other thing penalties do is slow down the game. In addition to just kind of changing the feel of, it, you're slowing down the game, and for what? Like. Because a guy celebrated too hard, I, like to me, unless you are like there, there ought to be probably like a personal space rule, similar to almost the old school bubble for catching punts. Like you kind of had to stay out of like. So if you get up in a guy's face, like if your face mask makes contact with his on purpose. You are too close to him. That's a penalty. I'm fine with that. Like, or, you know, you're, if you're getting down in someone's personal space, that's trying to get up off the ground, like yelling, like, I'm fine with that even. But when something is crossing from that into just a celebration, I even think the, the whole idea of excessive celebration, kind of a stupid penalty, because really, you know, how many celebrations are ex- and excessive in what too big, too much? I mean, because you have these defensive plays where like the whole defense runs down into the end zone for fake picture or whatever. That's never called. Right. So it's just like there's so much inconsistency. Like NFL, what are you thinking? People want to enjoy. And here's the thing too: the politics that have crept into the NFL with and. We're not going to talk. We talked about some of this stuff before, but with the black national anthem and the kneeling, that really is, I don't think that's really much of a thing. Last couple of years, like they were losing fans with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, now you're going like the people that stuck around because they just really love NFL football. It's like, what else can we maybe do to alienate ourselves from the fans? Watch us. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. NFL, what are you thinking? And if I'm the coaches, and I have a feeling this will be something that will come up in the winter meetings, is like, we cannot continue. Like, this is just stupid. I, hopefully it's a change. I'd love to see him make the change mid-season. Mm-hmm. Like, make a course correction. And... It's, I don't know. 
the NFL just does some weird things. Like they make it where you can challenge pass interference and then they take that away and they might as well have taken it away because they literally, I think it was like zero times that a call was ever overturned. And, and there were times like I get that you're the subjectiveness of that and having to make that split decision. There's going to be times where maybe you think it was too much contact or whatever, but most of the time, like you're going to challenge that if you feel, and there were times that it still never once was returned. So they yep. just ditched the rule altogether. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, like this is just stupid. So I don't know what they were thinking with that. All right. What were you thinking? Number two. Um, and this one is, we were going to cover this before this weekend slate of games. And so this one actually is a little interesting to me now. And that's uh, now I'm going to go to Denver and then we'll, stay in the AFC West for our we'll get our worst one out of the way here in a few minutes but the Von Miller trade so here's here's what I like and here's what I don't like about it and but now I just re- I really don't know even what to think after this bizarre Cowboys game so obviously what I don't like about it is when you trade the fra- the face of your franchise it tells you the shape that your franchise is in. Like there's just not a time really that you trade the, the face of your franchise. Like John Elway was never on the trading block, you know, nor was like even Terrell Davis. Brett Favre was never on the trading. Even when they had Aaron Rodgers, quite the wealth that they had there, but still like Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes right now is having his worst season. Kansas City is not thinking about dealing him. Like when you when you move the face of your franchise, the only time that happens is when things are not going well. Look at the Jets. They just got rid of Sam Darnold. They traded away Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And you can argue that he's not been very good. He's looked really good and really bad at different times this season. I don't know how much of that's him and how much of just sometimes playing on terrible teams like makes you worse. But again, you just you don't do like you don't do that. Dan Marino, the, the Dolphins were never shopping him. Like or Troy Aikman. You know, like you see sometimes guys go other Peyton Manning I had a little bit more to do with the injuries and the, you know, getting Andrew Luck and just, it was kind of that time. Joe Montana, you know, it's kind of end of his career. He goes to Kansas City years, still pretty good. But for the most part, like, you just don't, you just don't see that. So when you have a guy who is the face of your franchise, who's one of only two remaining players on your roster from this, now the only guy left is Brandon McManus who was a Super Bowl MVP, you know, like all these different things. He's arguably, I don't even, well, yeah, I'll go with arguably the best player you've ever drafted because they, they traded for John Elway. So the best player you've ever drafted. Um, and you know, Broncos all-time sack leader, all that. Like when you trade that guy, that tells you about where your franchise is or where you feel like it is. Um, 
So that's one thing I don't like about it because you feel like then your franchise is a mess. And I'm not saying we didn't know that, but coming into this season with Bridgewater thing was supposed to be, hey, we've got Teddy and he's not great, but he is a very good, we feel like he's very good and we have very good talent around him. And, you know, you start 3-0 against bad teams, but you think, okay, like we get the mojo going, but then the the four-game slide and, you know, Vaughn sits out the Washington game really probably just to keep him from getting injured. They said it was because of an injury, but really just, I think, to keep him from, I think they knew they were already, they already did a deal with, with, uh, the Rams to get like a linebacker for a seventh round pick or something. But so that's why I didn't like about it. Here's what I did like about it. Similar to the Matthew Stafford, even to the same team. I think what they wanted to do was say, Hey, like we recognize that you've got a few good years left here. And rather than just waste them going nowhere with this team, we're going to give you an opportunity to go play for a team that is a Super Bowl contender. I don't know if they would necessarily be the favorite, but certainly a Super Bowl contender. You know, they've looked so good on offense with Matt Stafford. You're now going to have Aaron Donald and Von Miller as pass rushers with Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. I mean, like, to an already, you're adding Von Miller to an already very good stout defense so like i like that similarly to the lions like get some picks and and you know kind of do right by the guy because he did bring you a super bowl and like almost personally won it for you in the super bowl so i like that about it um i like what we got in return and i like that he's actually a free agent after this year um, and in his like goodbye video to Denver, he talked about potentially returning to Denver and named specific players that left and came back to Denver to finish their career. And I would be stoked to see that happen if they could make that happen. The other thing that I liked about it, well, uh, Sunday, I liked the way that we played without him. I mean, mm-hmm. how could you not? It was the fourth quarter, and you're up 30 to nothing in a game that you were a 10-point underdog. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is about when we play the Cowboys, but, man, do we love playing the Cowboys. We have not lost to the Cowboys in, like, 30 years almost. I think it was 95 was the last time we lost. The last time we played them was at Mile High, and it was the year that Zeke was crazy it was only like the third or fourth game of the year but we had i think trevor simeon at quarterback and it was just like you know i think it was maybe even during the vance joseph era and we just smoked them in denver i didn't see that happening here um i was thrilled that it did i was kind of kicking myself that i didn't figure out some way to get to the game because i was only about 30 miles away um, but it just wasn't going to work out. But anyway, I don't know if you have anything to add there 
I'm assuming probably not much. And so I appreciate everyone letting me just vent that because it's my own team. But I, I any thoughts on the on the yeah. trade? No, I, I agree with you as you know, on everything. When you when you're trading away your face of the franchise, it it means that the the franchise isn't in a good spot a hundred percent. And uh very, very identical to the Matthew Stafford situation. It's kind of like Denver is your high school girlfriend and she's telling you it's not you, it's me. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to let you go be, go, go be great somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and, well, I mean, even look at how like Houston just refuses to let go of Deshaun Watson when they're not playing him. Yeah. Because it's just like somehow trading him is a worse look, I guess. Like, or even the way that the Packers, Manage the Aaron Rodgers thing when you know there were tons of suitors mm-hmm. that would have probably given plenty in draft picks or players or whatever to get him. And it's like, no, like we recognize that if we can keep him, even if he's disgruntled or doesn't want to be here as long as he's playing, right. like, you know, and so, like, that's the thing. Like, if you felt like, okay, Vaughn isn't maybe playing at his best or he's not happy here, but as when he's on the field, we're getting Bradley Chubb back and all these kind of things. Like, and we feel like we could legitimately contend. So we're going to hang on to that guy. And so when you, and I guess maybe that's my other part of the, what, what were you thinking? Because it looks like, okay, you're going to get rid of Vaughn Miller. <clears throat> you're going to get a couple of, I think they they said they were getting two second day draft picks. So I'm assuming a second and a third. Now the Rams don't seem to care about draft picks at all. I mean, they've given away like all of theirs for the next three seasons. It feels like, but, um, okay. So you're getting a couple of big picks. You're getting a, you're giving up a seventh rounder for the guy you got in the other trade with the Rams. Um, but there was a lot of talk about, okay, so if we're trading Von Miller and we're four and four, but we don't really feel like we're legit playoff contenders, then we had, and I, I even read in Denver Sports News that George Payton received multiple calls, including from the Saints because of Jameis Winston's injury for Teddy Bridgewater because he played there and was fairly good there. Yep. And so it's like, why, like, why wouldn't you trade Bridgewater? Uh, Kyle Fuller has not been good for us at all this year and has gotten benched, but there are some teams out there that need, why wouldn't you deal him? Like Kareem Jackson, like if you're going to blow it up, blow it up. So that was the thing that to me, like the, what are you thinking with George Payton is it's like, so why did we trade Vaughn if we are going to keep everyone else and not change anything? Like, why wouldn't you just say, okay, Drew Locke, you got nine games to start this season. See what you can do. Like, <laughs> here's all the weapons. Here's whatever. And I, that's the one thing I don't understand. And then they got up in their press conference after they traded Vaughn and we're like, you know, we really appreciate Fangio and he works hard and Hey, he's got us right in the thick of things like the NFC or excuse me, the AFC West 
And it is. I mean, I think the Raiders are five and three in first by a half a game. And then you have the Chargers and Broncos at, and Chiefs at five and four. So the Chiefs are right back in it. Um, now they play the Raiders this coming week. So that'll actually be a rare time that I'll be cheering for the Raiders because I really would just like to see the Chiefs continue to struggle. And I think the Raiders will have their as we saw. So I, that was the only other thing. I'm just, what are we like? That's the only guy that we traded was Von Miller. And so again, I'm glad to see that they at least dealt him to a contender, like sent him to the lions. Like that would have been a dirty thing to do or Jacksonville or something. Like at least we sent him to a place where he can flourish in that defense. It's very similar system to ours. That's why we traded back from them. Um, you know, he's playing opposite Aaron Donald when he played opposite of um, DeMarcus Ware. You know, obviously we saw what Denver was able to do there. So, I don't know. But what what is Denver thinking? I don't know. But they feel like they're contenders, and then they come out and, I mean, just absolutely smack the snot out of the Cowboys. I don't know where that came from. We ran the ball for the first time all season. We, I think, had more rushing attempts than passing attempts. Um we took shots downfield. Teddy had a 41-yard touchdown to Tim Patrick. Like, you know, Jerry Judy's back. Um, Albert Okawebin almost back and played pretty well coming off of IR um, in place of Noah Fant, who was on COVID protocol or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. Now they're favorites against the Eagles this coming week. So. Who knows? And that was a game I actually thought they would win because I actually had them being at 500 at this point because I thought they could win the Eagles, but I thought they would lose to Dallas. So I don't know. And I, I'm trying not to get my hopes up with Denver for the same reason I tried not to win. Like, we still have only beaten... Like, Dallas is really the only good team we've beaten. And we yeah. ironically beat them worse than we beat anyone else. Like, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um and we lost like three more play. Like we we were playing with like Lloyd Cushenberry the third as our center. As I think he and Reisner, Dalton Reisner, were like the only starters that played the whole game on the offensive line. And we ran the ball better than ever. Uh, Javante Williams had his first hundred yard game. Um, we ran the for like a hundred and eighty seven yards, which was like our two or three previous totals combined. I mean, it's just. I don't know. I was thrilled to see it. I loved being able to wear my Dallas or Denver stuff while I was in the Dallas area. Um, But anyway, they are in the thick of it in the West. Let's stay in the West and let's go. And, and this one's rough and that's why, and we, you know, we joke around a lot on this podcast and we take cheap shots at players, coaches, teams, each other, uh, leagues in general. But this one, probably more than any other, is just infuriating. And when you talk about the what are you thinking, like all jokes aside, like Henry Ruggs, like what what were you thinking? Uh, Like we have a guy now who was an up-and-coming, I don't know if I was ready to maybe say star, but very good NFL wide receiver for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, had already had a couple of big games. Um, 
you know, was a top talent drafted, you know, to the Raiders. The Raiders really know how to pick him, man. I tell you what. But you go out and you get hammered, which, first of all, I don't understand professional athletes that do that anyway because it's so hard on your body. Like that, you want to know why Tom Brady is going to play till he's 87 years old because he doesn't do stuff like that. Like just in general, like he takes care of his body. Like, am I saying those guys don't drink at all? No, of course not. But they're not out there just getting sloshed and partying all the time. Like it just shows a level of immature. You want to know why LeBron is playing in his 20th season or whatever and still for the most part at a very high level because he takes care of his body. He doesn't, fill it with garbage and go out and, you know, just act a fool all the time. And to LeBron's credit, he didn't do it as a young player when it would have been more of a temptation. You know, he's a little, you know, wise now as an old guy, but like he didn't do it when he came into the league at 18, 19 years old. Like, he handled himself. And so here you have this guy who goes out and not only does i mean you can stack the what were you thinking you know decisions have consequences that's all there is to it and you can stack these consequences first i mean the least of which just obliterates his own vehicle then Mm -hmm. gets himself arrested um for not only a dui i mean he was over twice the legal limit driving 156 miles an hour and gets himself thrown in prison. Um, his teammates, who have been going through plenty this year with their coach, basically getting dismissed. You can say whatever about it, but I mean, if it weren't for that whole email thing, he would John Gruden would still be coaching. And you know, there's been enough drama already, Raiders this season, just with that whole situation. And now you throw this curveball at all of your teammates. But then worst of all, by far, by like a million times worse than anything else, than all the other consequences combined, you have a 22-year-old girl whose life is ended because you were an idiot. And like you're a professional athlete. You, you were out partying. Like none of the friends you were partying with could have driven you home. Like you don't think some dude that works for Uber or Lyft would have been thrilled to tell all his buddies that he got to drive an NFL player home and probably share some stories about how crazy wasted the guy was. Like that's one of the reasons that rideshare businesses exist (laughs) is to get you home safely when you, have no business being out on the road. Yep. And, you know, not to try to like value one life over another, but to me, it's worse. It'd be one thing if you went out and you hit a tree and you killed yourself. And it's like, man, what a, what a tragedy. Like he drove drunk and he killed himself. But instead, he goes out and, you know, he's got some scrapes and bumps and bruises, but he was predominantly, I don't want to say unharmed, but minorly injured. 
And you take the life of just a completely innocent person by just obliterating their little SUV. And then, I don't know, did you see much of this coverage? Yeah, I did. I saw I saw the pictures. and it, Oh, it was, I mean, it was terrible. But, like, there was, I think, video that surfaced of him sitting on the on the curb mm-hmm. while this girl and her dog are trapped inside a burning vehicle mm-hmm. and he's not doing anything to help. He's not calling for help. Now, maybe, you know, if he's drunk and he's in state of shock or whatever, but I mean, just such a terrible look. I mean, everything about this is just horrible. Yeah. And, uh, there's there's a lot to be said uh, about this in my opinion, you know, um, and it comes down to me to a few things. Uh, you one, coaches got to do better, especially with young players, and this goes back to even to his time in Alabama. I, personally, you know, we know the the kind of school that Alabama is. It's an NFL factory. There are mm-hmm. NFL caliber players that don't even get playing time at, at Alabama. Uh, and I don't think that Nick Saban or his coaching staff necessarily spends a lot of time developing the person. They develop great players, but there's a lot to the person that, that carries over, especially when they get those big contracts and they have mm-hmm. them in their life. Uh, you know, you, you, you've talked, we've, uh, last night they were talking about Najee Harris and how at one point in his, in his life, he was homeless with his family. And now he has become a huge advocate, uh, for homelessness in, in, in his career. Uh, and he's a, a rookie in the NFL. And this is a guy who has a different kind of base to his life and a different yeah. kind of, uh, mindset. And, that doesn't that doesn't apply to every person, and you can look at it harshly if you want, but it, it just doesn't. And yeah. this comes down to someone like Henry Ruggs who needed life development more than he needed development as a player. And obviously, you know, John Gruden, as he coached Henry Ruggs, isn't the kind of guy that's going to check on a young athlete and ask him if he's doing good or, or, or you know build him into a model. Of of a man and a and a and a, a superstar and someone who's in the public eye, and you know it, it doesn't translate. And there are a few coaches in the NFL that are those kind of coaches, and there's some that aren't. And I, I don't think Nick Saban is that kind of guy. I don't think John Gruden is. And now you also have you know an interim coach that's probably not really thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so you trying to keep his head above water. Exactly. And so you know. Who knows? I, I don't know a lot about Henry Ruggs uh, pre-Alabama. I don't know what his family life was like, but I can tell you that based on his actions, that he, there's not a lot of soundness there, and he needed development as a person. Um, and unfortunately, he's he's going to have to face a, a now a totally different life. Um, who, you know, yeah. who knows what kind of prison sentence he'll get for that? Uh, and he, he most certainly will never play in the NFL again. Um, and it's just, and, and he's got to live with that now. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the other thing is like I yeah. said, if you go out and you, you get yourself killed making bad choices, then your life is over. It's, it's still very tragic, but it's like, you have to live with the fact that you killed someone 
that's yeah. basically like your age, you know, t- early twenties. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's just, man, in the NFL, I believe in the last few years has offered like they, they do offer like training, I think for with like money management and just kind of how to conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird that as much as the NFL talks about like, Oh, protect the shield and the brand. They seem like they do a terrible job. At I mean, with, with all the sexual assault cases, and then there's other things that they just kind of thumb their, like, you, know, you got yeah. Richard Sherman that, like, oh, you did what? And, the, oh, oh, that's okay. Uh, hey, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need a corner. You know, like, you know, or Cream Hunt or something. And it was like, you saw them lower the boom on Ray Rice, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone cheered, like, yep, that's good. That's what you should have done. But then it's like, ever since then, it's kind of like, well, we made an example of him, so that's it. Yeah. And I just, I don't, it, it's so frustrating, but, you know, the the message that, you know, I think you and I would both echo from this podcast to anyone listening is, like, be responsible, you know, like, be responsible. I'm not going to tell people that they should or shouldn't drink, but I am going to tell you that you need to understand when you start drinking, you need to understand how it's affecting you and you need to be smart enough to say like, I'm not capable or in a good frame of mind to be getting behind the wheel of a vehicle right now. And like, you need to be able to surround yourself with other people who will say to you, Hey man, I know you think you're good to go, but like, nah, let's just call a cab. Let's call an Uber, whatever, like be responsible. And you can't, you can't undo decisions. And, you know, we, we all have things to go back and do. I certainly have, plenty of things in my life that I wish I could go back and undo or unsay whatever, but none of them, you know, thank God, like none of them are things that have cost another person their life, you know, and that's just another level of consequence that, that you have to live with now for the rest of your life. And a lot of people deal with things like survivor's guilt or, <clears throat> you know, just the, the the normal guilt of realizing that you took another person's life, like that can lead to depression, uh, suicide. So like, this is a dude that now people are really going to have to, and I, and, and I get that the, the visceral reaction of like, Oh, this guy's an idiot and we hate him. And one thing I'll say, I really appreciated Derek Carr coming out and saying, Hey, like not excusing what happened at all, but this guy doesn't need anyone else beating him up for what happened. Like he needs somebody to love. And if no one else will, I will like, that's what he came out and said. And like, that's a guy who I think gets it. Like I'm gonna step up as a leader of this team. And this guy's not even my teammate anymore. But I don't just disown the guy at his lowest point 
and instead like I'm going to step up and and try to try to love him you know and loving someone doesn't mean you just ignore everything wrong that they did you know kick them while they're down so I do appreciate that from Derek Carr so again to our listeners like if you drink and especially if you get drunk like be smart like have a friend have somebody you can call have uber a cab or whatever it's just it's not worth your life it's this is this is now a, a young lady who's in a horrible way whose family has to live without her now like he's gonna have to knowing what he did it just there's nothing good about this situation um so we'll move on to you know a little bit less well a lot less uh heavy subject matter but we're continuing on the theme though what were you thinking so we talked about my team let's talk about yours because there were a couple of different ones. so we we talked about the packers ahead of the arizona game mm-hmm. and we talked about the nfl and their covid protocols and rules i do think it is fascinating that there have been prior to the message you sent me an hour or two ago about Cal mm-hmm. having to postpone a game because of COVID. We've not heard a peep about COVID-19 in college football. Right. Like, have you heard any other story than the Cal story? No. And that's why I sent it to you because I was like, Oh, no, finally, yeah. this is the first time. Like, it's like they heard that we pointed it out. So they, Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot for a second. Then they were reminded. Um, I go, yeah, we do need a college. <laughs> and here's the here's the irony. And I'm again, I'm not trying to get super political here, but I'm probably gonna like when it comes to this virus. Ne- neither you nor I have at any point said that it's not real, that it hasn't cost people their lives that it hasn't been dangerous like at no point have we made that claim and i don't think either of us would Mm -hmm. but there has to be an element of looking at data and the fact that this whole concept of fall we're just following the science follow the science like there is no science in the world that can explain the weirdness of what's gone on here. And and what's interesting to me, college students, <clears throat> like those are the biggest stadiums in the country. Like college stadiums hold more at, at least at premier programs hold more seating than NFL stadiums. Like most NFL stadiums are in the 60 to 70, maybe 80,000 range. Now there's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, most major college programs, you know, the Alabama, a lot of the SEC, Michigan, Ohio State, um, even like Notre Dame is 85, 86,000. Like Mile High feels like a tremendously larger stadium than the stadium. It holds 10,000 fewer seats. So here's all these college stadiums and all these college students and, and, the rushing the field. We've seen rushing the field at the Iowa Penn State game, at the Texas A&M Alabama game, 
um, you know, at a handful of other games. And th they actually had a story. I don't know if you saw this. There was a story that came out a week or two ago about it was called the spike that wasn't because when the fans at the Iowa Penn state game rushed the field after that game, um, everyone, all the talking heads, Oh, those stupid college students. Here comes another spike. Just wait for it in Iowa city. Bro, university. Iowa. Not a single case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if and, you remember back to last year in the middle of the pandemic season, because I think, you know, we would consider this post pandemic season mostly. Yeah. I mean, mostly, um, yeah. you know, when the game students, because it was only students in attendance at the Clemson game, yeah. they had rushed the field and it was like national news. Oh, the Notre oh, Dame yeah. students stormed the field in the middle of a pandemic. All Dumb these players kids. That, yep. and Trevor is in attendance of the game after having covid <laughs> and again not not a not a single case that i know of was reported at least nothing yeah. that major you know certainly not a spike yeah and i right. think it's because i like my honest belief here is that college students and i i'm getting somewhere with this because i know it sounds like talking college football but i am getting to a point with this college students I think most of them have already have had this. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they've already had it and survived it because they have a 99 point chance because most of them are young and fairly healthy. So I think they've had it. And during the shutdowns, like they weren't shutting down. They were going to dorm parties and like they might've been kind of having parties a little more under wraps than normal. But college students weren't shutting their lives down. Like they were still partying and everything that goes along with that. Like, uh, and now all these stadiums packed full of people and there's no, there's no big associated spike with people sitting side by side. But if you want to go now, like when I was in Dallas, I wanted to go to a Maverick. The Mavericks played the heat. I think Monday night, that can't be right because last night was Monday night and the Nuggets played them. It doesn't matter. They played at home over the weekend. And in order to go to a game there or at Pepsi Center or United Center, you have to show vaccination status or, well, that you've been fully vaccinated or negative test within 72 hours. Like, just to attend the game. And you have to wear a mask on top of it. I'm sorry. There ain't nothing scientific about that. If everyone there is either fully vaccinated or tested negative, why are you wearing a mask? Like, <laughs> that that is the least scientific, like, that's so stupid. And I'm just so tired. And I'm. we mentioned this in the other episode we did where we talked about, but I'm so tired of the leagues being basically like political talking heads for uh, the current presidential administration like i'm just going to call podcast like and this whole idea like I, if i hear about maxim this has absolutely nothing and so bring that back here for and and 
the NFL spent all of like the offseason and preseason training camp bragging about how all like I think all 32 teams reached the threshold five or 90 percent fully vaccinated players and staff mm-hmm. 85 90 percent but yet what are we seeing happen like Drew Locke unavailable at the Dallas game COVID protocol Noah Fant unavailable at the Dallas game COVID protocol and <clears throat> both those guys positive tests both those guys fully vaccinated um Devontae Adams fully vaccinated had to miss a game completely asymptomatic like had to miss a game uh, like I just I don't understand at what point like these are some of the healthiest individuals in the country and and in probably in the world because they're professional athletes like they work out, they're healthy. They're not even these big old linemen that we would probably kind of call obese can run a 40 faster than your average person. Yeah. Like it just like, yes, they carry all this weight, but it's like oddly managed, you know, like it just. And so here now my, what my, what were you thinking thing with the Packers? is really on Aaron Rodgers and not what were you thinking and not getting vaccinated? Cause I couldn't care less. And I know he hasn't been and you know, that's fine. I don't care if he has or not. I really, really don't. I think the Devonte Adams and the Drew Locke fans, and these other players that are going on COVID protocol, two more this week that just went on COVID. Um, my fantasy league continues to suck. Nick Chubb is out on COVID protocol, fully vaccinated. So it's like, why, why is the NFL having being and just dogging Aaron Rodgers for not being vaccinated when the reality is only thing that they should be getting on Aaron was really should be on him and the Packers and both were fined heavily. And that was for not following. That's that to me is the, what were you thinking moment? Like if you're not going to get vaccinated, fine. Like it's your life. I'm, I'm fully on board with you making that choice for you. But like, you do know that if you don't, there are certain. And it kind of, along with the whole Aaron Rodgers persona is that he kind of just has this attitude of, I can do what I want and apply to me. And that is where to me as not a Packer fan, though I was a big one this weekend and would have much, much preferred he played. Um, that's my, what were you thinking? Because you probably cost your team a win. I mean, you guys lost points. You left three out on a missed field, three out on a blocked field goal and, uh, and starting essentially a rookie quarterback. And so to me, it's like, okay, um, that's a game that if Aaron Rodgers plays, I, I think you guys probably win that by 20. I mean, like the chiefs were terrible in that game. 
And so, and I don't, I don't even think you had a takeaway either. Like you just straight held them to, and you gifted them. I think did it only end up being three botched punt yeah. thing, um, yeah. which again, credit to the defense. Like, Hey, here's, you know, nothing happens, but, or not nothing, but they hold them to, to a field goal. I would have been really curious. I almost, start ended up hurting you because it forced them to kick the field goal. And I think your defense may have actually stopped them on one. I don't know. I mean, obviously worst case they get a touchdown, but, um, but nonetheless, like back to Aaron Rodgers, if you're not going to get vaccinated, the rules for, you know, like, especially as the, the leader of this team, whether or not you want to wear that like Cape and mantle, of leader of the Packers, like you are like, still the face of the, you know, all the frustration you've caused and them enough drama and problems over the entire off season that now, like now they're getting fined $300,000 and you're getting fined $14,650 for violating protocols like just follow the rules like if you don't want to do even if you think the rules are stupid i mean i went to a very conservative christian college and some of the rules that i had to follow i thought were pretty dumb and i was like these are really stupid rules but you know what is more stupid than the stupid rules is breaking them and then suffering the consequences like, oh, I guess I should have followed the rules. Like that that is my biggest what were you thinking moment with him is like what like if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like I was he just trying to mask that he wasn't because I know they talked about his verbiage of like I've been immunized or whatever. Yeah. As a way of maybe like softening like trying to skirt around that he wasn't vaccinated, but... Well, uh, the story is is that he sought alternate treatment and then petitioned to the NFL to have that uh, cleared as an acceptable form of immuniza- immunization instead of getting what the NFL Players Association deemed as acceptable, which would have been the Pfizer or uh, Moderna or whatever those those vaccines um but the but the thing that is a head scratcher to me is again yeah you maybe he lied maybe it was play or play on words either way since the beginning of the season because that's when he had petitioned this and the nfl had denied his request they've known he's unvaccinated and they have all these rules about if you're unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask on the sideline, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to be tested. I, I was reading through rules, and it's it's a pretty extensive um, thing that you would have to go through throughout the week and during games and all these things. That it's like They put all these hoops for you to jump through almost so that way you'll just go get vaccinated, which would be the easier thing. Um I haven't seen Aaron Rodgers wear a mask on the sideline not once this season. Right. 
So like if the NFL knew he wasn't vaccinated because they denied his request for an alternate treatment. And now like how often do you think he was getting tested? I mean, I really don't know. Was it because there was a spike in the program? So then they started testing players. Was it like he was just having regular tests and suddenly now he's testing positive? I don't know, but it feels strange to me that, you know, suddenly there has to be an investigation into the protocol and clearly the NFL would have known that he wasn't vaccinated and here he is, you know, like going out in public and he's appearing in all these things and doing, you know, he's at a Halloween party and, and he hasn't been wearing a mask on the sideline, which again, you know, we've talked about signs of that. It has nothing to do with the science of it. It's more or less of like, was the NFL just ignoring it? Like, uh, whatever. He's not, he's not vaccinated. We know this, but we're not going to push the issue until he tests positive. Mm-hmm. And that's what's strange about it to me. And again, yeah, wait, what were you thinking? Sure. It's frustrating for me as a Packer fan. Yes. I, I, you know, I went to the Kansas City game. I wanted to watch him play against Patrick Mahomes. I, I wanted to win that game. This is two games now where, you're, you know, we've had issues with COVID, you know, against Arizona, against Kansas City. And both times they're like, oh, well, you know, the, 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 the without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, they kind of get a pass if they lose this one. Uh, but then we win. Well, now without Rodgers, if they lose to Kansas City, they kind of get a pass. And it's not necessarily a game they have to win. It was a winnable game, even without Aaron Rodgers. And again, you like you said, if, if Rodgers plays, they probably blow them out. Um, and so it's very frustrating. And again, and what I had texted you when this all came out was like, this is this is like Aaron Rodgers' circus, and he's the greatest showman. He he's been talk since you know before the end of the season, really. Like really, his post game interview after the loss to the Buccaneers had be is the like the start feel to his show in Green Bay. And it has only gotten worse. And then after he signed a contract with the Packers, we're like, okay, well, he's back. We're fine. And then he comes out and has this huge press conference where he just rips the organization. He rips management. And then it's like, okay, here we go again. And then we thought we got past that. Like, let's have an air it out moment. Let's just get it all out on the table and move on. And then they get blown out of the water week one, and he makes it about him and all these things and it's just like this is why Packer fans are undecided on how they feel about Aaron Rodgers and this is why he takes things so personally when they react this way and it's because he's putting us in a weird position where we're having to take on all of this drama but like he's one of the best players if not the best player in the NFL and it's like, what do we do? Do we hate on the guy or kind of being like a bonehead and kind of being very ignorant and making everything about him? And like he claims all these things about it's about the team and then he really is just making it about himself. And yeah. it's just like, what do Packer fans do? And then, you know, after week one, we go on this crazy win streak and we become the hottest team in the NFL and then he gets COVID and then, he, again, he's been crucified in the media. And one of the things that I did like was he said that the right's going to champion him. The left is going to criticize him. And I, I'm with him on that. Like the right doesn't necessarily 
need to be saying, well, we're praising Aaron Rodgers for not getting vaccinated and the left is going to crucify him for not. And it's just this entire mess. Then, you know, it's just like, I'm so frustrated with Aaron Rodgers in so many different ways. But at the same time, I feel like it's just kind of strange that suddenly there's these, this spike in the organization and now this is turning into a multiple week ordeal and I just really don't know what to think of it. I don't know where the organization is at with, you know, how much are you going to put up with before we're like, this is why I had said to you in the off season, like maybe it's just time to pull the bandaid off and, and like move on. And, you know, Jordan love, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording, didn't play a, a great game. He played a good game. He played a good enough game to win in Kansas City. Um, the difference being, you know, a couple of things. Uh, he wasn't fully ready to make a start at Arrowhead Stadium against a team that just played in the Super Bowl. And despite playing down this season, they still are one of the more talented teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you just get the sense that they still have this switch that they turn on. And at some point, they could go on a huge run. And, and this was a game had to win. All these things that are kind of stacked up against Jordan Love. And then Rodgers comes out and he's like, well, I kind of would like to see him do well. So it creates conversation. Of course you do, because you're living in controversy and you're loving every minute of it because you're mm-hmm. controlling the situation. And and so it's just been so hard as a Packers fan this season to <laughs> I just don't know like how to feel week to week and and it's insane that this guy is is like controlling the organization, controlling the fan base, controlling media and he makes us feel bad, then he makes himself look bad and it's just like all these things that's, that's why I called it a circus cuz it really has been. Yeah. I don't know how outsiders feel about it, but being a fan and it's just like you never know what you're going to hear from the guy. Yeah. And that's, again, that's why, again, we titled this, what What were you thinking? And it can be applied in so many different ways. I want to stick with Green Bay and, and this game, but I want to shift the what were you thinking question to something you already kind of hit on a little bit, and that was with Jordan Love. If he didn't throw an interception in that game, he's finishing that game with a higher QBR and quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes. Like, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed, because... Patrick Mahomes finished with a quarterback rating of 74.8. Jordan Loves was 69.5, and he had an interception. They both had one touchdown. Jordan Love averaged 5.6 yards of completion. Patrick Mahomes, 4.5. Like I said, they both had one touchdown. They both took one sack. Um, Patrick Mahomes had two carries for negative two yards. Jordan Love had five for 23 was actually more effective in terms of being able to scramble for, you know, some positive plays. Um, Mahomes, 20 of 37. Jordan Love, 19 of 34. So very similar numbers there as well. Um, And, yeah, I think with Rodgers, obviously it's a different game. But when I look at those two numbers, um, my what-were-you-thinking question is aimed this time at Troy Aikman. Now, you were at this game, and so, you know, you you weren't watching a broadcast of it like I was, but 
late in the second half, you know, it was well into the third quarter, probably at least, if not into the fourth quarter, it seemed like Troy Aikman had some weird personal agenda against Jordan Love. And I thought maybe it's just me. And maybe it's just because I really want Green Bay to win because I don't like Kansas City. Like, so maybe I'm just being extra sensitive. But then I saw an article about it today that's like fans were unhappy with Troy Aikman in the broadcast. And he said things that, <clears throat> you know, his job is to be an analyst. And I get that. And I'm not saying that if a guy's making his first start and not, you know, playing lights out, that he's not open for criticism. But it, what was really weird to me was he's like, uh, he's a he's basically a rookie making his first start and he looks like a quarterback making his first start was one of the things that he said. And it's <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that, that would kind of make sense. I mean, <laughs> most quarterbacks making their first start look like a quarterback. Like, you know, the Jets had what Mike White or whatever that just went off. Mm -hmm. in his first start and and won his first start there in New York. And Patrick Mahomes, I was actually at the game. I was at his first start. It was in Denver, uh, and he looked pretty good in that game. Now, part of that is we were also, that was part of the not-so-fun years post-Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> but it, it's like that that happens to just about everyone. I mean, look how Trevor Lawrence has looked this year. Total garbage. Yep. Um, he's kind of come into his own a little bit more, but still, for the most part, very bad. Um, Zach Wilson, very bad. Uh, like, And even some of these second-year guys, too, has had some moments where he's looked awful. Jalen Hurts has had moments where he's looked awful. Justin Herbert has had moments where he's looked awful and he's been part of people's MVP conversation. So yes, a guy who has been the backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers through all of the met, like he didn't choose. He didn't sign with the Packers. He was drafted by the Packers. He was brought into some of the dysfunction that was happening between the front office and Aaron Rodgers. Like he was thrown into this. He was thrown into this start in a essentially what would be the equivalent of a short week without his number one receiver available for most of that time. And like in the times that he has played in the new Orleans game, like in a very limited playbook. So I would say all things considered, he actually played pretty well. And so it's like Troy Aikman, dude, like I, I'm actually going to go right now. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it back to you. I'm going to go right now while you give your thoughts on this as someone who watched it live, I'm going to look up Troy Aikman's first start. And yeah. you tell me how you felt about watching the potential future of your franchise. And I'm going to go look at a Hall of Fame quarterback's first start. Uh, and then we'll we'll see how he, how he did. Yeah. So being at this game, uh, one, this is my first time. Uh, not only at Arrowhead Stadium and in Kansas City, but at a road at a road team, uh, you know, at a road game for my team. I've never watched Notre Dame on the road. I've never watched Green Bay on the road. Uh, so I'm taking in this entire road game experience. I spent Saturday night in Kansas City as well, and and my my roommate and I we went out on the city and, and enjoyed some barbecue and 
there were a lot of Green Bay fans in the city. Uh, every, you know, everywhere I get, I was getting uh, Go Pack Go, or um, you know, all, all it was a great experience as uh, as a fan of a team on the road. Uh, and even the people of Kansas City and Kansas City fans, uh, you know, we we had tailgated out there at Arrowhead uh, for most of the day, and and everybody we come in contact with was very hospitable and and welcoming, and yeah, they you know they take jabs at you for being a you know a fan of the other team, and and it's all in good fun. I didn't actually have a bad experience with with anybody that I came in contact with out there, um, but I all that to say when I you know when we got into stadium. And we sat down. It was incredibly loud. I was absolutely blown away by how loud that stadium was and how loud those fans were. Literally from the moment that Patrick Mahomes ran out of the tunnel during play introductions uh, to the final snap of the game. Uh, and every time that Jordan Love would attempt to make an adjustment at the line or he'd look to the sideline or try to audible out of something, it would get even louder and they didn't take a playoff. Uh, and that was from my perspective of where I was sitting um, on the Packers' sideline about halfway up of this upper level. And I, I can't imagine how it felt on the field, I mean, with all that sound directed at him personally. And I still kind of felt like, you know, Matt LaFleur kind of kept the training wheels on a little bit. Obviously, being the starter for the full game, he he had to, you know, do things that he hadn't done before. And I don't know if he actually even had taken a single snap game last season. Um, so really, like, the New Orleans game was first official NFL snap. Um, but it still kind of felt like they had the training wheels on him. Uh, they didn't open up the playbook a whole lot, and I also don't think they did a necessarily great job of game planning for him to be the starting quarterback because I would have liked to see them get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game, get him out in space where he's dangerous. Uh, they utilized A.J. Dillon a lot, which is great. I think he's a great athlete. Um, and as you had mentioned, he didn't even have Devontae Adams to practice with until Friday, and you could see that sometimes on a lot of those timing routes or back shoulder routes, routes um, there was just a disconnect where neither one of them kind of knew where to throw the ball or where the ball was going to be placed, uh, and it created some some mismatch there, um, and including the one turnover uh, that also resulted into points uh, just before halftime. And you know, at the at the same time, the defense kept Jordan Love in the game. And you had mentioned to me before we started recording was that you know yes they were a little more conservative in the play calling. And a lot of that was because they were always in the game still. They never felt like it was out of reach enough, even at 13 to nothing, to start the fourth quarter. Um, and also, you know, his special teams let him down. Uh, uh, you know, in one, uh, a missed field goal, then a blocked field goal, uh, and then a botched punt return, and almost another one by Amari Rodgers. And it's like, Come on, like, come on, man! Like, you haven't been yeah. plugged into the offense as a wide receiver. You're on your rookie year, and the only thing you have actually done on this team is play special teams and punt returns. And here you are, like, not fielding punts properly, and and even ones where he like calls for a fair catch, he's not getting out of the way when it's not a ca actually a catchable ball. Like, just let that ball go down, even if it's at the one yard line. It's better than a turnover inside the ten yard line. And so there's points there that are on the board that shouldn't be. 
And, and uh, so like when you look at missed opportunities in this game for Jordan love to be on the road at Arrowhead stadium against a team that just played in the super bowl with Patrick Mahomes, who's an NFL MVP and super bowl winning uh, quarterback and in this incredible environment and all this drama, I, again, I don't think he played a great game. I think he played a good game and good enough to be in position to win it at one point in this game. And, and it's like all these things have kind of overshadowed. And I, again, I don't think that he's, you know, deserving of no criticism. There right. were definitely times where he overthrew or, or didn't make a good read. But I also, I thought he made some incredibly smart decisions as far as throwing the ball out of bounds or just throwing it at one of his receiver's feet when he's under pressure. I think he looked really good getting out of the pocket on and, and made good decisions there. I thought he had a decent sixth sense um, to only take one sack. Uh, and, and some of those timing routes and, and out routes to the sideline, I thought he made some really good throws. Those are not easy throws just because they look easy on TV. Yeah. Uh, well, and you would think a Hall of Fame <clears throat> Super Bowl winning quarterback would recognize that also. Right. But so I think there are a couple of things that made it probably seem worse. Um, one is so, well, I, I pulled up um, this article. I finally actually found the one I was looking at earlier. Um, so here's just some things from the Twitter verse, which is always entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, of some of the things fans were tweeting out about this. So one person said, uh, Troy Aikman woke up and chose violence today. <laughs> Feel like I've listened to a three-hour J-Love roast. Uh, somebody else said, I would love to see peak Troy Aikman in the modern NFL. It would not go well. <laughs> Which I don't know about that, but um, here's another one. Uh, Troy Aikman from Barstool Trent. Troy Aikman is now scolding Jordan Love. Uh, here's another one. Aikman keeps talking about how badly love is struggling. This is here. This is probably the one that resonates the most with me and how much they miss Rogers. I don't believe he's mentioned that love is outplaying Mahomes. Um, here's another one. Um, someone says, you know, I don't, I don't care for the Packers, but Troy Aikman has forgotten. He was one in 15. The first year he got, on an NFL field as he is dissecting Jordan Love with a microscope like he can't play SMH hashtag Packers versus Chiefs. Um, and someone actually, I think it's, yeah, Bomani Jones said he didn't even start the game they won. I think they were 0 and 11 when Aikman started in 1989. And that's true. I just looked it up on Pro Football Reference. Um, in Aikman's First season in 89, he started 11 games. They were 0-11. He completed 52% of his passes, uh, had nine touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Um, wow. So he his interception percentage was 6.1. Now, it was certainly by far his worst season until his second to worst, which was his last in 2000. But, I mean, you're talking about um, you know, 159 yards a game. Jordan Love just threw for 190. Um, <clears throat> you know, just however you want to look at it. And now that's just that's the whole season in a in a nutshell. Um, that's not even just dissecting his actual first start. Uh, but I think actually Bomani Jones made some reference to it 
Um, because someone replied, well, Aikman also started right after being drafted. Love has had more time to learn from the bench, which I think, I, I, I think that kind of depends on your situation. Because Aaron Rodgers and other quarterbacks, Joe Flacco, when he was in Denver, was like, I'm not grooming the next person. Like, I'm going out to win games right now. Right. But Bomani Jones says, Aikman wasn't much better in his second season for what it's worth. I don't think Aikman is being terribly harsh with respect to love, but he's giving little consideration to the circumstances that led to love playing this week. And that's what we talked about. Um, And then he says here, not many quarterbacks as good as Aikman who were so doubted by their coaches. Switzer told him to beat the street. Jimmy wasn't sold on him until he won a Super Bowl, and then he got replaced by Switzer. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean... I think it was the fact that he did, had very little good to say about him and he had nothing really bad to say about Patrick Mahomes. Like it was, you know, out of bounds <clears throat> or something to to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, again, 19 of 34 for 190, a touchdown and a pick. Troy Aikman didn't throw a, a touchdown until his second game. Um, and I was trying to find, I read somewhere else here. Um, now I've lost it, but his first start, uh, let's see, where'd it go? I had it. Um, okay. So Aikman played his first NFL preseason game. Not that that matters. August 26, 1989 against the Denver Broncos. His NFL debut started with a 28-0 loss to the New Orleans Saints. The following week, he threw his first touchdown pass, 65-yard completion to Michael Irvin, but the Atlanta Falcons intercepted two passes and won the game. Um, so, I, you know, again, <clears throat> and and you had a full week of prep going into that one, yeah. probably going into both of those. So I think that was probably the biggest thing. Troy Aikman, what were you thinking? Um, and now our very last, you know, what were you thinking, uh, is goes out to our, our listeners. What were you thinking as all of these different events unfolded? Uh, we talked about a lot of different things, Von Miller trade, uh, Henry Ruggs situation, uh, the Broncos beating of the, uh, of the Cowboys, um, the Aaron Rodgers, the penalties, uh, like the goofy penalties, the uh, excessive celebration and taunting and all that. What what did you think? What were you thinking as you saw some of those different things unfold? Let us know. Uh, you can let us know in the comments of our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tdpodcast2021. You can tweet at us, whatever you would like to do. Uh, but we'd like to know what you were thinking uh, about that. Um, in other news, uh, today kicks off college basketball kind of officially. Um, and the second week of the college football playoff rankings. So join us for that podcast as we talk a little bit about this last week, another interesting week of shakeups in college football. We'll talk about that as well as the new uh, college football playoff poll. But that's all we have for this episode for you. Please let us know what were you thinking? Uh, You've heard our thoughts on it. We'd love to hear yours. Until next time, have a great night.